we're very pleased to welcome on two former mayoral candidates in that particular election. It's especially great to have them on this morning. First up is the person that finished third in that mayoral by-election with a strong campaign. He is former chief of police for the city of Toronto, Mark Saunders. Always great to have you on, Mark. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. And as well, joining us, former city councillor, and uh, it's great to have him. And he's also the founder of Rob Davis and Associates, the aforementioned, it'd be strange if it was someone else, Rob Davis. Great to have you back on Toronto today, Rob. Well, thank you for having me, and, and thank you for not mentioning where I uh, placed in that race. That, that was very <laughs> kind and generous. Well, I mean, that's, that's, you know, campaigns take some twists and turns, and, uh, you know, I, uh, one day you're running, the next day you're in a classic car with Anthony Fury. We've all been there before. We've all... We've all had those moments. <laughs> and we were in the front seat, not the back seat. I, yes. Kind of, kind of yes, you were quick to point that out in the, uh, in the yeah. press release. Um, all right, Mark, let's start with you on this, um, on this 180. It's being described as such, but um, Olivia Chow is, uh, I, I heard it yesterday, well, she's caving on this police thing. Our knowledge is, Mark, she didn't have the votes, and there would have been at least 14 councillors today that put an amendment forward to say, you have to fulfill the needs of the Toronto police in this environment, in this day and age, this is critical. So, um, you know, uh, she, she's not fighting it, but it was, it was very clear that democracy was going to rule the day at city council today, one way or the other. Yeah, Greg, this, this was a slow dance that wasn't even necessary to begin with. Uh, when they start off with saying that it's taking 22 minutes to arrive on average for a priority one call, that is disheartening, and the vast majority of Torontonians understood that, did not like that. And when you look at the types of crime, the rise in crime, the propensity of violence in the crimes that have been treated, it was a no-brainer. But it was unfortunate that, that there was that much energy for the 11th hour to come up with the right decision. Rob, I want to know how you view it. Um, I haven't got to ask you about it, but you've seen a pretty intense uh, you know, public backlash. You've seen councillors be very outspoken. You've seen the police lobby really hard. Some question, and I want to get to Mark on that file, whether or not that's something that they are they overstepping boundaries. What do you think? Well, first of all, I, I think the police association has every right to lobby city council and to advocate in the uh, in the uh, in the public square for issues that they think are important to their members and to the community. So I don't I don't have any I don't take any umbrage whatsoever at the uh, Toronto Police Association doing that. Uh, a little-known fact, and you know, Chief Saunders uh, knows this, obviously, because of his past role as, as Chief of Police. The Police Services Board has the right to appeal uh, to the Ontario Civilian Police Commission if they believe that uh, they have not been sufficiently funded to provide safety in, in, in the communities that they serve. And so, um, in the same way that Olivia Chow sort of had Justin Trudeau looking down the barrel of a gun over a, another six and a half percent property tax hike, the police services board had the prospect or had the threat of going to appeal uh, the budget and to have a provincial body uh, overturn her budget, uh, make her look weak and provide the police services board with the funds that they need to provide those services. So, you know, the, the civilian police commission, the OCPC uh, was always that, sort of Damocles hanging over the head of every city council and every mayor, that if they don't negotiate a proper response to the budget request, then there's a threat that a mm. provincial board will overturn any decision of city council. And why do that when you're riding hide in the polls, you've got an approval rating that was relatively good, watching those numbers come down. It's, a, it's not a hill to die on for the mayor of Toronto. Mark, did you have to ever as chief have to push as publicly for funding as, as Myron Demke just did over the last few weeks? 
Well, it manifested differently. But, yeah, you, you, you've got to do a lot of work. You know, the unfortunate piece is, is that the governance isn't working correctly because the police reports to the board, not to City Hall, for this very reason. And, you know, composed of that board are three members from City Hall that represent the best interest of City Hall as well as the Toronto Police Service. And once they okay it, that's where it should stop. And, and I will tell you, Greg, and mm-hmm. I've said this before, the chief will go in with a higher number and it won't be accepted. So the chief has to figure out how to figure out what that medium is. Listen, Chief Demke would want more money in an ideal situation. The police to population number is just absolutely ridiculously low and it doesn't look like it's going in the right direction. If these are the kind of fights that he's going to be getting from City Hall. So, yeah, it was done, but it was done in a different way, not with the same intensity. Um, but it's something that's necessary in that role, and it's unfortunate. You know Chief MQ Mark way more than I do. Um, I'm far more uh, pedestrian in terms of knowledge. This probably wasn't something he wanted to do, to be all over the place, interviews, then putting fancy ads together and, and lobbying hard. But he, you're, I think we're, I think we're kind of saying the same thing here. He didn't seem like he, it didn't seem like he felt he had a choice. No, what he asked for was incredibly lean to begin with, and he made it very clear that if they create a gap mm. now, it is going to expand exponentially down the line when it comes to the hiring process, uh, and we are already at dire straits. So he's got the obligation of making sure he can do everything that he possibly can to keep the city as safe as he possibly can with the men and women and tools that he has. All right, I want to give you guys a clip from Doug Ford yesterday, um, and I want to talk about Monday night at um, at the hospital. Um, and, uh, and here's what the premier ended up saying about it. Rob, I'm going to come to you first on this, but here's Doug Ford from yesterday. Folks, get some decency. Have common sense. These these hospitals are there to save lives. You know, Mount Sinai did everything they could to save my brother's life. He was in there, and uh, they're an incredible hospital, along with all the hospitals around the province. They're there to help people. Do not, do not break the law, because that's exactly what happened. You broke the law, and uh, again, the federal government came out with a law saying you cannot protest in front of hospitals. But even without the law, you have to have an ounce of decency not to do this. I don't care what you're protesting. That doesn't matter. Rob, I'm sure you uh, you would echo Doug Ford's sentiments. What did you make of some of the scenes and sights on Monday night in front of, um, again, one of our great institutions, by the way, where Jewish people and Jewish doctors and nurses had to go practice because of rampant anti-Semitism after World War II all over North America? Well, that's the irony of, of, of all of this. Uh, the history of places like Mount Sinai are steeped in the fact that that people from the people of the Jewish faith and 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 of Jewish origin uh, were sort of forced to uh, to do that. I know of doctors. I know of people who were uh, excluded from practicing medicine uh, exclusively because of their of their religious uh, beliefs and their faith. So there's a couple of points here. Uh, the right to protest is sacrosanct. I believe in the right to protest. Um, I don't believe in the right to risk people's lives. So you know, civil disobedience is fine. Um, you know, uh, we police these things with care and, and with concern for balancing the rights of the protesters, as well as the uh, the rights and the and, and the safety and liberty of all of the bystanders and people who might be unduly affected. This is this is a bridge too far for folks who want to protest something that's happening in a far off land. I, I really think that this is not the best way for the community that is advocating for those in, uh, who are living in Palestine. Um, this is not the best way to win friends and influence people. 
Um, I understand their, their plight. I understand their grievance. Um, but there are better ways of doing this to get your point across. That being said, um, you know, the, the, the Toronto police and other security folks have to find a way to make sure that people are not at risk because uh, chubby guys like me are at risk of getting heart attacks. And we you or I or somebody that we dearly love yeah. may need quick access to that hospital. They do great work, not the least of which uh, is uh, overseeing the birth of one Rob Davis in 1964. There you have it. Mark, uh, now I have to say, we've talked about police presence before, and you've made the point, whether it's been at the Eden Center or whether it's those early disruptions post-October 7th, that the goal is keep things relatively calm, don't become the story yourself. But I got to say, there wasn't there wasn't any police presence there on on Monday night. And I, I think I think we're actually wondering why. And I haven't heard the chief who's been out lobbying for a bigger budget. I haven't heard the chief say what Doug Ford said yesterday. And I think people kind of want him to. Yeah, listen, uh, for, first and foremost, I was, I was glad that leaders, people in, in positions of authority actually said things concrete and didn't sit on the fence. Now, when it comes to this, there is an action-reaction factor, and there's a scale that goes on day-to-day. The police can't be everywhere all the time and solve every situation. And what happens with the protesters is they have to figure out new approaches, different things, how to share intelligence, where to be, and what to do. And this may be one of those cases. And, you know, the police are going to be able to know that as of now and move forward. And you're right. What I said to you before is what I will still say. The police will not want to be the news on this case. And just like that guy in Eaton Center, Greg, we had that conversation, mm-hmm. and Buddy's now going to be going to court as a result of it. Same thing here. Those idiots that responded that way, if they've broken the law, they're going to have to go to Tom's place to buy a brand new suit for their first <laughs> day in court. And I'm looking forward to it. But I guess in those moments, right, you, it's like I get the lo- I get the logic of it, and I get where, where that's at. But I guess in, in the moment, it doesn't quell the situation. If my home's being broken into, I want you there as quickly as you can be, not to look at a videotape Wednesday after the Monday break-in to identify the guys. And I think that's how people at that hospital felt trying to get in or people on certain floors. Like, can I make that case? You call 911 and say uh, there's a major disturbance outside a Jewish hospital. We should have officers responding to that. Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing. And I guess as more time goes on, we're going to hear more. And, and any time the police get involved, any time they become the news, you know, that handing off that copy that was innocuous, that was a month of newsworthy stuff. Yeah. And we lost the eye on the target. Okay, so let's not create those moments. If they've made a mistake, they'll dust their knees, they'll get up and they'll fix it. And, you know, it's unfortunate that it may have not had the right response, but I can guarantee you on the go forward, it is going to be another factor added within their plan on their day-to-day processes. All right, more on Doug Ford. And Mark, I want to come to you because I think there's some uh, th- there's some inside stuff and expert uh, opinion you can give us here. The Ford government's going to scrap the license plate, plate renewals. Um, now, I'm going to tell you, I sat with my wife last night out for dinner with my kids and I showed her the story and I said, we've got a car right now, and I shouldn't even say this, that the license expired six months ago. And I said, read this story and tell me if we have to do something or we don't have to do something. And she still wasn't sure. So I'd ask you, Mark, I mean, police police don't want to be pulled. They got better things to do than to pull 11 people over in a sweep to to check their expired plate stickers. And at the same time, I, I think this has confused the general public as to do something or don't. Is there is there an argument to be made for that? No, I, I can tell you, I, I got duped myself, uh, Greg, and I wound up. <laughs> do we have video? The, uh, do we have body cam footage of that uh, we can know, share with the audience? There, there is video because I, I, I've lost about 500 bucks <laughs> in uh, speeding cams, and I found out the hard way when I went into uh, just to check. So, you know, uh, just a PSA for all retired cops. 
uh, drive like normal people your first couple of years uh, as retired. But listen, this administrative process needs to be changed, and I think this is what's going to happen now. You're not going to get away with uh, if there are any fines outstanding, but hopefully government is now going to be more proactive and send you those notices that, hey, by the way, you owe this money or else your your vehicle is not going to be uh, up to date and you won't be able to drive. All right. We're telling our truth here. I like this. Rob Davis, any, you know, potential, quote unquote, illegal activity behind the wheel you'd like to fess up to this morning? Nothing that I would admit Good. to okay. on the air. However, yeah. uh, unlike uh, Mark Andretti Saunders over there, <laughs> I, uh, I, I've been very good. I, I, I have received a speeding ticket in over 30 years, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good on that. Well, one. you'll get one about three o'clock today. You know how karma works, right? <laughs> well, this is about to happen. Yeah, per- yeah, well, not only that, but I'm not too far away from Mark's house, so I'm sure he'll make sure there's a little trap set up. But just there are no such things as speed traps. That, that's uh, let's be clear. No, look, th- this is th- this is the next step in in the evolution of of eliminating the requirement to have the stickers, right? Like if you if you don't have to put a sticker on, then why do you have to pay? At the end of the day, you know this is an administrative hassle for a lot of people. You know, like, why can't I get a 10-year sticker like I get a 10-year passport? Why can't I do things in an efficient manner mm. that provide the government with the revenue it needs in order to police or regulate whatever activity I'm participating in? But, but the, the lost time, the productivity loss of having three, four, five million drivers have to renew their license every single year is, uh, is productivity loss from the economy. And so there's got to be a more efficient way. I'm not sure that I would say uh, no more fee, but you know there is some policing that is happening as we're driving the streets of Toronto and driving the streets of Ontario. So, um, but this is the right evolution. This is saying, look, we're going to eliminate this. I, I suspect if, if I were premier, um, I would probably say, look, you're going to renew it every five or 10 years uh, or for the life of the vehicle. And it makes life a lot easier and it helps support the economy and create jobs. That's so interesting. Yeah, I've I've got someone writing on text listening to our conversation. Who would have guessed no longer reminding people to renew their plates would cause hundreds of thousands of people to forget to renew their plates, Rob? So there you have it. We constantly need we constantly need those pings on our phone to tell us where to be and what to do and how to say it. Right. We always do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got Rob Davis and Mark Saunders uh, joining us on uh, on Think Tank on 640 Toronto. Last couple minutes here. Um, we're going to hear um, it from uh, Giles uh, Gerson from the Board of Trade a little later on, Mark, uh, about tackling Toronto's congestion crisis. They're going to put a panel together. We're just talking about driving right now. A new task force, a traffic czar. I know you had great ideas during uh, being on the campaign trail about traffic, and you talked about gridlock and trying to utilize better ways to get people to get to work faster and spend time with their family. Does this feel sometimes like a lost cause in our city? Well, you know, I, I don't need a task force to tell me to dress warm during cold season, right? So it, it's it's quite easy when we look at the issues, follow the the campaigns that happen. Uh, when you're turning uh, two-lane highways into single-lane highways, when you talk about construction times and all kinds of things that could be done, utilizing technology and things, Greg, this could be done in a month. It's the city's desire to, to if they can stop having the, the driver-reverse type policies that they create, and if they'd actually take the action and things to consider uh, the flow of traffic, especially downtown, and the impact that it's having on small businesses that are just dying as we mm-hmm. speak, 
This is something that could be done. So it's the will of city governments, and you can have all the task force in the world, and people know what the issues are and which could be done without having a task force. It's just crunching people um, right in the chest, Rob, isn't it? The idea, as Mark points out, we've got all these transit projects. Eglinton LRT is the obvious one, but we're hoping the Ontario line gets done on time. It might not be. There's some other light rail transit lines uh, at Waterfront LRT. But when those don't even get done and we get told, oh, we're going to cut the gardener down to two lanes, not for a year, not for a year and a half, but for close to three and a half years. And we're only going to open it back for people that don't live in Toronto to come enjoy World Cup soccer, which like, come on, like it, it, it feels like we're getting it from both sides, doesn't it? Yeah, look, there there is a lot of uh, not wanting to relitigate the campaign, but there's a lot of truth in what what Mark uh, has said. And, you know, I've echoed some of those uh, responses and had a slightly different uh, point of view. You know, a few days ago, there were a group of Uber drivers complaining about the fact that they're not earning enough money. And so I want to dissect that for a moment. You know, the laws of supply and demand often dictate the price of things. So they're not making money because city council created unbridled licensing, essentially, of, ta- of people running uh, their car as a taxi service. So where there used to be 5,000 licensed taxi plates hustling the streets of Toronto at rush hour, there are now 90,000 licensed Uber drivers, not all of whom are on the roads, but you know, surely to God, 50% or 60% of them are on the roads at rush hour. And, when you, and as Mark mentioned earlier, and when you reduce the amount of lanes on a road for bike lanes, for instance, yeah. on Bloor Street, well, what have you done? You've increased demand, which is the, the amount of cars are on the road like Uber and, and Skip the Dishes and all these other folks who are doing all of these, you know, uh, commercial activities on the road. And then you've cut the supply in half by putting bike lanes. So the price that we're all paying, that price that has gone up because of the lack of supply and an increase in demand is time. Mm-hmm. The amount of time we spend in traffic has gone up dramatically, and that's the price for cutting the supply of roads and increasing the demand for those roads by, by screwing over the taxi industry and not regulating how many people are in commercial vehicles at rush hour. All right, let's, uh, let's end on a lighter note, and let's go to this. Um, Rob, it's Valentine's Day. We all have, have uh, you know probably um, been dragged, um, maybe screaming but not kicking. Um, cause that's illegal to a, uh, to a romantic movie or a VHS has been slid in or a DVD has been slid in. Does Rob Davis have a favorite romantic movie on February 14th? <laughs> oh, that's a hard question. I, you know what? I, I like love actually, to be honest with you. I, I find it uh, a nice, quirky, charming, um, uh, British rom-com. Yes. Uh, that, that, uh, involves a little bit of politics. Um, a little bit of pornography, a little bit of uh, a, little, a little bit of all the you know all of those things that are in society that uh, that we both love and hate at the same time. So sure, there you go. I want to point out that was not your campaign slogan this past spring. No, no, I think no it wasn't. No, it was the, something else. It was. Absolutely. It was. Uh, Mark Saunders, uh, VHS, Betamax, um, uh, micro w- favorite romantic movie for Mark Saunders. Yeah, I, I went blank. You know, I, I, I like a crime documentary. <laughs> Give me a decent crime documentary and uh, I'm all in. I'm okay. All in. The, yeah, The Departed is a love story uh, for you, I think. Uh, going undercover and uh, and getting the mob boss. I like that concept just as much as you. <laughs> once, a, once an officer, always an officer. Uh, enjoy this, guys. Thanks so much. 
Hey, thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. By the way, one more thing. Yeah, it's Hazel McCallion Day in Ontario. This is the anniversary of Hazel's uh, funeral, and it happens to be have been her birthday. So happy Hazel McCallion Day to everybody as well. That is correct. It's our first February 14th uh, without Hazel McCallion in our lives. Thank you for bringing that up, Rob. Rob Davis, My Mark pleasure. Saunders on Think Tank.